y'all, this is Unbound Love. The meandering conversation of two pastors. I am Gail. And I am Kelly. We were just discussing times when we have introduced ourselves as our Wrong partner. Partner, <laughs> kids, partner or kids or, or someone else and, and how amusing that is when yes. you, you forget who you are. Um, so today we're going to talk about anger. Oh, yeah. It's... Uh, it's, it's something that I think is very prevalent in our society today. It's something that's very prevalent maybe in our own lives. Uh, something that we carry as humans. And um, I, I grew up in a tradition, uh, a faith tradition, where being angry was a sin. And you were often told uh, to keep it in check, uh, told to not be angry, to not, um, not do that at all just the act of being angry was sinful and um and and yet here we are in the year 2021 and the whole freaking world is angry we are all angry and sometimes we don't even know what we're angry about and i think that in the church um, just like in the rest of society anger is just so right under the surface and so today we're going to talk about anger like is it okay to be angry Uh, What is it okay to be angry about? And how do we deal with those feelings that we have where we are angry? Wow, yes. I think I grew up thinking that I needed to be compassionate and empathetic. I needed to love others as I wanted to be loved. And it was hard finding the role of anger in that. Like, yes, I was supposed to be angry when others were treated bad. But then I was supposed to be empathetic towards the people who were doing the bad treating. I never kind of understood that as a child. And I think I've processed that a little bit better now, but I'm still dealing with having this underlying anger that's just in you about stuff that's happening in the world. You have that kind of anger, and then you have anger at specific people or individuals. And both of those are very complex emotions. And in both of those, it can lead you, I believe, into sin, but it also can lead you into a very holy and sacred place. Of maybe depends on where you go with that anger and how you process it. So I, I often think, and this maybe hits on another topic that we were discussing before we started recording, but um, I think sometimes it depends on your friends and the person or people that you're processing that anger with. And, um, you know, I've been in situations where I'm trying to process something where I'm angry or quite possibly where I'm really hurt but it is manifesting as anger and when I'm processing with someone else that person is also angry and quite possibly they also are angry and or hurt by the same thing and in their anger instead of helping me to de-escalate and help instead of helping me to see this different instead of helping to move me and we all do that and and you can't see my hands but i imagine we are big ships and the the big it, it takes that that rudder and it takes a rudder a long time to move a big ship it doesn't happen quick it's not like whoop you're done you grab the steering wheel and you just turn and so you turned the big ship takes a long time to turn, and I think that's what anger looks like. It takes a
takes a long time for that big ship of anger to move. And if the person that you're processing with, or the people you're processing with, or even if you're processing with yourself, if what you do is throw more fuel on the fire. So if I'm angry with Kelly, and somebody says, well, you know, Kelly did this that time. Well, that's throwing a little, you know, throw a little gasoline on that already hot situation. And if they are helping you to see, like, all of the good qualities and all of the wonderful things, as opposed to throwing more heat on the fire, it processes different, and that ship moves more quickly um, into a place of less anger. I think also when you... We choose friends that often think like us and support us, and that support doesn't always need to look like a confirmation of your feelings. I think it needs to, I think you need to have, as you said, someone outside of that anger that you're managing. We, one of the reasons we're talking about this today is I'm grieving, and in that second or third stage of grief, my brain's foggy, um, there's anger. There is, I think it's the second stage, there is anger. And when you are processing that with everyone else who's experienced that same loss, it's a difficult place to be because once you, if you all hit that anger together, then it just explodes and it doesn't heal anyone. I think with the pandemic, we're seeing the same thing. We're seeing a group of people who have this grief, this sadness for everything we've lost during the pandemic, for the lives and for the hope and for the security we felt pre-pandemic, we've lost it. So we're all processing this anger together. And because we're all in the middle of the same grief, it's hard for us to pull each other out of it. And so that fuel, that big ship just keeps turning more and more towards the side of anger because we keep adding to each other's anger. And I hope as pastors, therapists, leaders, people choose to pull us out of that anger. People start looking for ways to pull us out of that anger because it makes it harder to handle the little things, the relationship anger, the frustrations, the hurt, the sadness. It makes it harder to process all of that. So I think part of where we need to start going not just in our smart circles, but the whole world needs to start moving to a place where we recognize the grief and the that we're in that place, that we're frustrated, that we're hurt, that we're confused, and we start answering it with positive reinforcement instead of reinforcement of the anger. I think you're right on that. So I want to go back to your your, your grief comment, and and I just I want to make this clear that. Yes, there are stages of grief, and uh, I think there are five of them. I, I don't know, but there there are stages of grief, but they don't come in the order that those. So so we may number them one, two, three, four, five. Um, we may say that this is the first stage and this is the second stage, but I'm going to tell you they do not come in that order. And here's the really horrible thing about that is just because you finish one stage and you move into the next doesn't mean that you're not going to hopscotch right back to the first stage all over again and so you can go through these stages multiple times multiple times in a day multiple times in an hour you can you can cycle through these uh, in random order um, as many times as you need as many times as grief takes and it is not a linear path 
And I think that also in that, that uh, not just grief isn't a linear path, but anger isn't a linear path. Um, it isn't just it starts here and it ends there and you just go through step by step by step by step and when you get to the end you're at the end and voila you're cured and it's done it doesn't quite work like that anger um yes it does build sometimes sometimes it builds like in a flash and sometimes it builds in this soul this slow smolder um and those things also change the way that you the way that you walk through anger um like the way that you walk through grief it just it, it kind of takes its own path. And anger, unlike grief, um, is something I think that we have a lot more control over. And um, we have a lot more ability to change the way that we are addressing anger and the way that we are allowing anger to take control of us. important to talk about the magnificent way God made our bodies. And anger is actually a tool. Anger is a tool God gave us to handle the world. And like any tool, we can use it wrong. Like when we're angry, we can take a hammer and hit someone with it. Not a good way to handle it. Or we can build something with it. Yes. (laughs) Or you can build something with the hammer. And what anger does, some of the emotions that you feel in anger are that like sometimes it's an energy sometimes it's a like a lack of energy because your body's processing you're giving yourself time to process something something that we do when we're angry is we say those wonderful words that seem to come out so easy when we're angry but what we know now from science is that those words release endorphins they actually reduce our heart rate and calm us down and help us our brain with all those chemicals that help us process life So anger, I don't think, actually is a sin because it is like those imprecatory psalms that we say where we rage at God. It is a way for us to process the world, and it's a gift God gave us. And even God is okay with us being angry at it. I mean, it's throughout our scriptures, people being angry and having that conversation. So I don't think anger in itself is bad. I think like I said, it's a tool that we can use for good or for evil, maybe. So I just want to point out a couple of things. One, um, the story that we always go back to, uh, which is Jesus flipping over the tables. You know, um, you know, if, if Jesus can get so angry that Jesus flips over tables, maybe it's okay for us to be angry, as long as our anger is in a right direction and not an uncontrolled And yes, we as adults still have temper tantrums. We might not lay on the floor and kick and scream and, you know, whatever. Um, But we do have temper tantrums. And if you think about it, you'll see it in your own life. You'll see it in other people's lives. You see these temper tantrums. And that is not righteous anger, y'all. No matter how much we want, want to say that it is, it is not righteous anger. Righteous anger is when we are angry about something and we do something about it. We do something productive about it. So I want to say that. I also want to say that, you know, the Bible tells us that God was angry, that God gets angry. 
um, that God gets uh, distressed and, and grieves um, the way that we are behaving. You know, God grieved in, in the time of Noah um, to the point that God was just like, wipe you all out. Um, I regret that I made you. Um, and so that type of anger is, is prevalent even among the deity, even among God um, themselves, um, that this is an anger. And so in that, I think that we have permission to be God-like in our anger. Does that mean that we need to, you know, cause a flood and kill a few people? Probably not. Um, probably not the best prescription for how to be God-like in the world, as good as it may sound some of us at some times um probably not the prescribed behavior but um finding ways that are outlets for our anger and so maybe we could talk about that so what are some outlets for your anger that's a good one um we're like i'm gonna break this into two things one talking about anger at the world at groups of people at things that are happening um one of those outlets for me is, as we said, talking to someone who is outside of what's happening, because that helps me kind of bounce things off. I, that's why I have a therapist. <laughs> I process anger um, with my therapist in ways that I couldn't even with maybe friends. Um, and finding, I hate saying finding the positive because it goes back to that whole, oh, this is a blessing hidden and I don't believe that. I believe that there are things that are not blessings in this life and I, that are difficult to go through. But I think sometimes taking a break from the emotion of anger, I don't think wiping it away or hiding it behind rainbows works, but I think giving yourself like for this next hour, I'm going to watch a movie with my kid or I'm going to go grab ice cream with my partner or I'm going to go ride a bike. I'm going to do something that gets me outside of the anger. I'm going to come back to it. It's still going to be there and recognizing that, but giving yourself a vacation sometimes from that darker place helps. And sometimes you have to be forced into doing that and allowing yourself, your friends and those who care about you to do that, to pull you out for a few moments so that you can rest and go back and process it. So, so what I think about in that is, is this idea of being self-aware. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'll, I'll speak for me. When I am angry, I lose a lot of my self-awareness. Um, I can fall into um, a place where I am not aware of not only myself, but I'm unaware of the people around me and can get into that scorched earth place where I don't care if I burn it down. I don't care who I hurt. I don't care whatever. Um, I am just going to blow it all up. And um, it helps to have someone who can, who can A, bring you back from that. But also it helps to have that person who understands that you just need to to let that burn because it has to burn off it has to burn out it has to it has to become a, a, a slow smolder before I can even begin to come out of it and you know it ha- happened to me recently where I got my feelings incredibly hurt and 
lot of stuff that I had to do. And so, you know, in my younger days, I would have had struggle with that. But, you know, I put it on the shelf. I'll deal with this later. But when I got to the later, you know, um, blessed with uh, someone who recognized that I just needed to burn. And, you know, that I had been holding on to that match for a long time um, and done what I needed to do. But when I when I was ready to ignite that match, it was just going to be hot and fast and furious and, you know, I'm done with everything. I'm walking away from it all. I'm just I'm blowing up. Uh, but to have that space to do it in a safe space. And I don't know if that's maturity that gets me to that place where I can hold on to wait until I can let it go. Um, or, uh, yeah, I don't know. But finding that place to be able to do that. To hold it until you can let it go. And it's important to find the place where you can let it go. Because I think we all need that. I'm, I'm a little bit different with processing my anger. Um, I do have a problem that's very frustrating my a physical thing that happens when I get like if I'm angry at a friend and we are arguing and this has happened since I was a kid even with my parents if I'm arguing I start smiling and giggling it's like a like a response that happens and I get so frustrated because it comes across like people are like oh that's cute or oh you know you're laughing you're not serious and I am so serious that I'm crying but I'm also like giggling and smiling because I'm afraid of anger like really strong anger is something that I fear because I think you know growing up with a father in ministry and and the trauma that comes and seeing people go through that especially with a father who helped you know, with domestic violence issues early on before it was the okay thing to do for churches and a father who kind of confronted some issues, I saw the anger that came from that and I fear it. And I don't ever want to be that angry. So even when I'm in angry moments, I, I tend to try to run away from them instead of let it burn. And I need to learn how to let it burn. That's something I am starting to learn more and more as I go through, as I grow up. And that's something that I've had to learn during the pandemic. I am not comfortable in anger at all. And I'm fearful. And so I've had to learn to be able to process, to be able to flip tables and to be able to know that there are times where I'm allowed to be angry. And to be honest, that's been a problem with some relationships I've had friendships partnerships relationships is that I found that I didn't want to be angry so I was too quick to forgive and I am getting better at that but it's also making me maybe more of an angry person which I don't know I guess that's a positive in a way so I would say for me totally the opposite like I anger is a self-preservation and has been for me since I was a kid uh, the kid who always knew they were different who never quite fit in who was never the you know this is easy uh, none of it has ever been easy but um, I, I'm really good at anger I'm really good at it 
And if there's anything that I am absolutely sure of is that if I truly let my anger go, I can rid myself of anyone or anything that is a problem. And I have to keep a pretty tight rein on it because it is so familiar to me and so um, ready to go. Like anger is always ready to go. And I have to be careful even like pretending that I'm angry um, because that can become real anger really quick. So if I just pretend that I am angry about something, it is so comfortable and available to me that it can very quickly become the true rage um, that could get out of control. And so for me, that has been something that learning to tame that is a big deal. But it is a self-preservation. And I think that maybe for a lot of queer kids growing up, that that is um, a, a, a safe place. Because you, you want to build walls around you. You want to keep yourself safe. You want to be um, in... For me, if I want to be in a safe space, being angry is the way to do that. Because no one will penetrate that. No one. Wondering like what the healthy in between is. Mm. I think we maybe are moving to that in our both of our walks, but because I grew up as a pastor's kid and as someone who very early on knew I was called to kind of follow in my dad's footsteps, I grew up being the peacemaker. I was the peacemaker at home. I was the peacemaker between my friends. I was the peacemaker, you know, in every circle I came across because that's who I thought I was supposed to be and I wanted everyone to be calm and to get along. And and I, I had anger about things that weren't right. I had anger at people who weren't making peace, who were causing conflict. But I still often ran from that. I think I'm a lot more vocal than I was as a child, of course, because with, when you get older, you just stop caring as much, <laughs> to be honest. And you start realizing that, you know, you have some wisdom, you have some experience, that you can you can stand on issues. But I'm good with standing up and talking about and debating things, but when it gets to a place where you're fighting, where especially like it when I'm at like local school board meetings or council meetings or church meetings, when the everything just starts getting into this place where everyone's so angry and yelling and fighting, I get so frustrated and I get so uncomfortable and I have to find a way to calm it down. I can't, it, it drives me crazy. And then I go home and I have all that anger from other people that I'm processing. I did once, um, back in my Baptist days where we had deacons as one of the pastors I had my time leading a deacons meeting and I was in my early 30s maybe then a little younger female weird in this Baptist world and they put me with this group of all-male deacons and they started fighting and the teacher and everything in me just blurted out everyone stop eyes on me hands on your nose or fingers on your nose like I would do with the kids 
and I never was asked to come back to another deacon meeting. I never had to lead another one because the only way I could figure out that they, I, I felt like it was a childlike anger that was happening in the middle of that business meeting and I had to calm it down quickly so that I could get the leadership back and control the meeting and control the space. But it wasn't the best way to process that moment. <laughs> I don't think telling white-haired men to put their fingers on their nose and look at me <laughs> calm the anger down in fact it escalated the anger in the situation but there's got to be a happy medium in there there is where you learn to healthily process and i think that has a lot to do as we said with who you surround yourself with i think it does and i think that that figuring out how to burn off that anger in productive ways you know i mean there's the stomp around the house and throw things method of dealing with anger it can be effective but maybe not the best way to do that um there's the pull out your bike and go for a nice ride um again burning off that anger but maybe in a more productive way assuming you're not riding in traffic and like threatening people um so so, i mean i think that there are healthy ways to deal with the the physicality of anger and anger is not just a mental place it is a physical place like we physically feel anger in our body we physically feel that Uh, moving not just through our soul and not just through our mind but through our physical being all of us feels this tension and this anger and letting that go in some physical way uh, much healthier than hitting people Uh, much healthier than screaming at people Uh, much healthier ways to do that is to go and do something that requires some physical activity you know i mean when i lived in the country going out and chopping wood great way to burn off some anger um you know going outside and raking up some leaves much better way to burn off some anger so i mean i think that there are things that you can do um that move your physical body that move your um uh, move you out of stewing on whatever it is that's going on in your mind whatever is going on in your soul and moving yourself um that lets you burn that off and lets you process it because endorphins i mean being angry gives us endorphins but moving our body gives us endorphins and they're different endorphins i'm truly i, I have no scientific proof for that y'all so i makes sense to me so you know i could be full of you know all kinds of horse crap at this point but um i think that there are two different kinds of endorphins i think that there are endorphins that come to us in anger that uh, are unhealthy for us and i think that there are endorphins that come with us for, for physical activity for things that we are doing to move ourselves that that help to then calm us down and help us to process i think that's one of the reasons we see all the protests that come up around the world and that's been a way for people to process stuff the protests don't give solutions but they give the people a place to burn off that angry energy so that they can come to the table with a solution i think what we saw across the world i mean we saw it very much in our little lovely country but we've seen it across the world people protesting people come up making signs standing together screaming i think that is productive anger in a way because it allows you to know you're not alone it allows you for in that contained space 
to rage against the machine. Sorry, bad reference. Um, but to be able to get out all of that frustration in a very physical way, and then you go home and you rest. And then after that is a time for our government, for everyone to come together and process and hopefully make change for the good. So sometimes that energy, that rage, actually builds momentum to positive change. I have a weird question for you on a pastor anger topic. Um, did you ever have pastors growing up or hear pastors that spend a lot of time in anger in the pulpit, have rage, that kind of... I've watched some, a lot lately. Some hell, freaking me hellfire out. and brimstone, yes. yes. I, I seem to be seeing more than I, I didn't grow up with that, but I see a lot of that on yeah. YouTube and, and TV now. Yeah, so, so uh, the hellfire and brimstone preacher... Um, you know, yes, I, I encountered that when I was a kid and, and I think I could do it. Like, like, so, I mean, that's like one of those great joys for me. Like when I, when I pretend, when I pretend I'm a pastor, um, and I, and I, I pretend preach, um, I can get into that hellfire and brimstone yelling in the pulpit kind of thing. Um, uh, because it was modeled for me as a kid. And so, you know, that, that idea um, and it's kind of funny to me as opposed to a more intellectual approach. But I also am one of those people who um, I'm very passionate about a lot of things and I'm passionate about things that I'm even not passionate about, if that makes sense. Um, so like I can I can get into a conversation and I get excited about it and I get talking about it and it just seems like I'm incredibly like passionate about it. And I'm just like, well, no, I'm not really. I'm just arguing a point. Um but I think that I also can get that in my preaching, you know, that I can get very excited and very um, uh, animated uh, about what I'm talking about because it's, especially the things that I feel deep in my soul and I really want people to hear, I can get very excited about that. And I think that, that sometimes that excitement looks like anger, even if it's not anger, if that makes sense. I have sometimes where I feel like I'm really close to that line of like fussing at people mm-hmm. in a sermon. But, but boy, don't they need it sometimes. Yeah. Well, a lot of times, <laughs> oddly, it's when I'm mad at myself for what, like I'm, I, we just side note, we often preach to ourselves. Oh, I so preach to myself all the time. All the time. So when like, like I'm writing a sermon right now in the middle of some angry moments and I'm kind of working through in my sermon that anger. So by the time I write the sermon, it won't be there, but I'm working through, working through some stuff with it. And, um, so I think, I think we as pastors can, if we're in an angry place, we can bring that. I think that there is a very special gift we're given in the podium though and I and I my heart breaks when I see people using that one-way conversation that they're up there you don't get to talk back you don't get to ask questions it's not a press conference it's a sermon and you are supposed to be the spiritual authority of the church and when you're using that pulpit to just incite anger I'm not talking about the table-turning anger. There are times where you need to talk about things that are happening. Like, there are times where you need to talk about racism in the pulpit. Because it is vital for the people to understand and learn and for you to give that social justice, spiritual awakening. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you are just trying to incite anger 
to rally people up because people are addicted to that feeling. They they will get right there on that bandwagon with you and it draws on something that's inside of us. And so I think when you are using your pulpit just to scream and yell and rage and get people angry and create this mob atmosphere, I think you're doing a lot of injustice to the pulpit. And sometimes I try to figure out where that line is. So I was talking this past week um, with my therapist, and um, uh, we were talking about, um, you know, hearing God, and um, and the things that I want to say, but I don't think they're of God. I think they're of Gail, um, and I don't think that that's what God wants me to say. I think that's what Gail wants to say, and um, how sometimes it's very tempting to want to throw in, you know, a little word of Gail. Um, into what I'm, I'm, I'm preaching, or what I'm, you know, and when I really check that, it's, it's not, it, that's not of God, that's of Gail, and I think that all people who stand up to say this is what God is saying, who stand up to say this is, this is me trying to um, impart the word of God to you, trying to draw you into relationship with God, I think we all have to check ourselves on that. Um, so that we are not giving something that is just what we want to rail against or just what we want to say or where we want to put people in their place, but where we are truly hearing what God is calling us to say um, to everyone, where God is calling us to uh, create in the world, to co-create with God in the world. So I think that that's a very important thing to think about. And when I see preachers, as you talk about, who are in this hellfire and brimstone moment, who are uh, inciting violence, who are inciting people to be angry, who are um, not talking about justice, but are talking um, just because they have an idea of what they want. I think that's not of God. Um, I don't think that God calls us to be just in an emotional place. And maybe that's a whole different podcast is, you know, where there's emotion into religion, uh, but I think God calls us to be uh, intellectual about this and to, to view things as less of an emotional um, response and more as a, oh yeah, that makes sense, and that's what God's calling me to do, response. I'm just over here playing, is it of God or is it of Gail? Because <laughs> if you don't know this by now, Gail's very blunt, and she gives me a lot of personal advice, and sometimes it's very holy, very pastoral. Sometimes it's not. We won't talk about distilleries and stuff. (laughs) If it involves a bat or alcohol, it's probably not of God. Is it of God or of Gail? I think think one of the lines that I have found when I'm preaching, because there are some times where I am angry and I want the church to be angry with me, I think the line is, is it causing division or is it causing unity? God wants us to be a family. God wants to pull us together so that we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. That's the bottom line. So if we are doing it to say they are bad, I am good. If we are doing it to say they don't belong, we do. If you are doing it to say we pick this one group over this other. 
and your hellfires leading towards that, I think you are leading first people to live in that hellfire place, that Gehenna, that garbage dump of a fire pit, because you're dividing them from our siblings, the other people that God created in their image. <laughs> so I think if you're if you're preaching that that brimstone kind of hellfire, that anger, righteous anger, and it's drawing people together, it's creating equality. It's stopping oppression. It's um, helping us recognize the beauty in, in our siblings, whether it's a color or gender identity. If, I think when we are preaching for social justice, it needs to be something that unifies God's family. And, and maybe even when we process our anger, that's a good question to ask. Is this something that is dividing me or removing me from other people and from being able to live out my gifts in this world or is this something that's helping me to do that so I was thinking about like the garbage pit of society um, and how much religion has helped to create the garbage pit of society you know if, if you believe as I do that uh, heaven coming to earth is is the goal that um, when we find those places where heaven and earth touch uh, when when we uh, when we are being uh, in those spaces and in those places when we are working to make that happen, um, that is truly what God is calling us to. And then when we look at the world around us and we look at where we are and what we see is this steaming garbage pit, um, where we see the garbage pit of, of interaction between people, when we see the garbage pit of what uh, one group is pitted against another group, where one group thinks that they've got it all and don't care about the other groups, when we see all of these things that are happening, then when I look, and I really, you know, if, if you even scratch the surface of looking, you have to see what religion has played in that, the role of religion, the role of people who claim to be of God. What, what role have they played in creating that space? And uh, that's a difficult place. That's a difficult place to, um, to hear. Um, a different, difficult place to think that you might be a part of. Um, but you're correct that a lot of processing our anger, a lot of drawing other people in, um, is about how we are creating heaven on earth. And how we are creating spaces that are God-filled and God-like. And, um, and yes, our anger can do that. But more often than not, it's not our anger that does that. It's our love. I think we did a podcast before on politics in the social square. And I think that's another thing. Like, there are issues that I'm angry about that are happening right now. And I'm not angry about the political side of it. I am angry that... It, it's pulling people apart. I'm they, they, everyone likes to construct these two sides to every issue. I mean, it could be like flavors of ice cream. I mean, they're, they want to fight to the bitter end. Vanilla. <laughs> I thought it was chocolate banana. It's butter pecan, butter pecan actually. Pecan. But, yeah. That's mine, too. That's my go-to is butter pecan. <laughs> See, we agree. Yeah, we do. Unity. <laughs> it's a southern thing, I guess. It must be. Um, but you can, I mean, but you can really get angry about it. You can really find a way to argue and divide and say, like the, and I'm not 
which is one of my favorites at the moment, but um, that butter upside down bread thing, it's true. We will find two sides and we'll argue about it and we want to be part of a group on one side. And But there is a time, like we were saying, like protest or like we had the women's march, where you need to come together with people who are trying to create change and you need to voice your anger. You need to speak out about what you're angry about and that looks different like it looks different from Gail and for me part of being in that kind of group that is actually leading us to that heaven on earth means that we recognize that the way other people speak the way other people talk the way other people process their anger looks different and we need to give them the space to do that Um, one of the things that came out when we did our women's rally march here even within the groups who were there trying to unify, there was frustration. People were talking about people's clothing choices. People were talking about word choices that people were using. And again, cussing came up. And um, being the one of the pastors there, several people asked me, well, shouldn't that person, that shouldn't she be not using that language? And I'm like, no. I think being able to process with language is a good thing. And she's speaking about fairness, equality, drawing people together, not being oppressed, I think cuss words belong there. I think I think angry, righteous wording flows out and it causes people to pay attention and to listen. And so I would hope that we wouldn't lose the anger. I hope that anger will become a positive tool to move us into a better direction as we are coming out of the pandemic. And I hope the anger doesn't cause trauma, more trauma on top of what already is a traumatic situation. That's, I think, my fear in all of this. And I see it happening around as I see like fistfights breaking out at Little League games, at school board meetings, people screaming, people threatening, even police officers who a few minutes ago they were saying blue lives matter and then now they're threatening police officers because they're letting their anger take over and divide instead of unite and i think i hope that we find a way to process this as an entire community as an entire world we find a better way to process our anger i don't know that that we've ever lived in an angrier time Um, I think as a society, we are angry people. I think that, um, I'm not sure that it's worldwide. Um, I I can't speak to that, but definitely in our country, um, we are overrun with anger. And I think that there are a lot of of reasons for that. I think that social media plays into it. I think that, um, you know, political figures have played into that, um, have fed on people's anger. Um, religious at, figures. So, at religious figures figure, figure into that, you know, are part of that. I think that um, it's not something that and is as easy as it is to point to one person and say you are the beginning of all of this. It's not. Um, if you've watched political ads for the last fifty years, um, they have gotten angrier and angrier. They've become more and more divisive. Um, they've become less um, of of looking at a common good and more at uh, finding someone to blame for whatever it is and, uh, and trying to create scapegoats. Uh, that's a whole nother discussion, but, uh, but, but we are an angry society. 
and it has become socially acceptable to act on that anger. Uh, far more now than I think it ever has. Uh, people feel free to, um, to behave because they feel that their right is to feel whatever you feel, do whatever you want to do, and it doesn't matter. And I don't know how to get out of that. Um, I think the only answer, and, and again, it's a, this is a pastor's answer, uh, I think the only answer is God. Uh, I think that um, truly changing hearts is a part of that. Unfortunately, a lot of the people who, as you said, are religious people who are feeding the anger. So I don't, I don't know that either of us have answers um, for this today. Um, I think my answer is, you know, get outside, get some sunshine on your face, and uh, and move your body, um, keep your endorphins levels high, and uh, and find some joy. The one thing that I know will overcome the dark is always light. And so uh, if, if anger is darkness, then uh, find the joy. I think the other thing is we are in a time where because of the pandemic and because of the confusion of social media, I think, and the information we're getting, where we are afraid. Mm. And fear equals fight or flight. So we're in that place where we feel the need to fight. That is a natural instinct that's part of our chemical makeup. So if you fall into that sometimes, it's okay. Give yourself grace and let yourself back out. Don't keep going, but recognize that you're in a place of confusion and fear. And allow yourself to be okay even to change your mind about something. To be okay to move out of that place and give yourself grace that you were in it. You don't have to keep fighting. You're not stuck to that battle that seemed so important two weeks ago because we are in a post-traumatic place from the pandemic. You can let it go. You're not you're not the soldier forever for that battle that you thought was super important. And so give yourself grace in your anger and look at it square in the face and say, is it because I'm confused? Is it because I'm afraid? Is it because I've been mis- misled? And then go on, like Gail said, and ride a bike. Show and give everyone else grace. Yes. We are all walking this difficult path, and so for all the feelings that we have and all the anger that we feel, everyone else has it too. And so give yourself grace, um, move your body, and uh, give, your, give, give grace to everyone else that you meet. Um, find a way to do that this week. Find a way to do that this week. You know, reach out to us. You can you can leave us a message on um, on the podcast here. You can uh, leave us a voice message. Um, there's a contact form on our website, um, so which is unbound.love. And um, so, when you can reach out to us, we will happily have a conversation with you. Uh, help you process your anger. Uh, help you um, talk and talk with you about whatever it is that you you need. Um, so we enjoy being on the podcast with you, but. We can connect with you more if that's what you need. So don't hesitate to reach out to us if uh, if we can help you. Love y'all. Love you too.